This morning, I'm going to ask you to turn with me to Genesis chapter number 38. Um, Genesis chapter number 38. Uh, of course, as we started this now three weekends ago, uh, if you'll remember, I told you that when I first began to read this, I asked myself, what in the world is this doing right here uh, in the Bible, this story of Judah and his sons and Tamar and all that goes on uh, in this chapter, um, I do think one of the reasons it's there is right in the middle of this story of Joseph is to offer a contrast, uh, a stark contrast of uh, Joseph doing it right and Judah doing it wrong. And of course, that, if you'll remember, is how we titled the message, How to Get It uh, All Wrong. Um, I was thinking about this passage of Scripture and um, just a few years ago, we were taking the young boys here at Zion Baptist Church up on the Linville River uh, camping at Jim's place, and uh, they'd take them up there a couple times a year. This has been uh, maybe five, six years ago now. And a funny story, it was me and Wade and his grandsons and Preacher Parker, and we had went way back up in the river that evening to fish, and, of course, you know, that evening got to that night, and it got dark. And we were walking back out of the trail that night on this little narrow trail on the side of a mountain. And if you look down, it was a long way there. And I was so scared that Preacher Parker was going to fall. I was walking like this right here, kind of with my hand uh, up, you know, beside of him in case he was to slip. Uh, but something about that sticks out in my mind when I think about that is Wade had those two little grandsons with him. Uh, little fellas at the time, they've grown up a lot since then, but they were just, and you know, Wade was just going on and them boys was behind him and he wasn't paying them a bit of attention. They was just following right along uh, on that trail at night with this big old drop-off on the other side. And I got to thinking about that. Do you know they stepped everywhere Wade stepped? I mean, they were literally right on his heels following him. And as long as Wade took the right steps and those grandchildren were following in his footsteps, well, then they were going to be okay. But if Wade took a wrong step, because it's dark, there you go. Boy, that's an awesome, an awesome responsibility when you think about it that way in being a parent. Uh, studies literally have come out. We don't understand psychology and all of that, and we don't understand the conscience and all that's going on in our mind. We don't even know what conscience is, really. We just define it with words and all of that. But uh, uh, recent studies have shown that the traits that parents develop socially can be passed on to their children genetically. Now, we don't understand how that works, and that's some wild and crazy stuff beyond the best minds in the world to even comprehend. Uh, but what makes you like strawberry ice cream over vanilla? There's a whole lot we don't understand. But the Bible gives us truths 
that we can apply to overcome even what we don't understand. We see that in this story of Judah. You know, uh, Judah was the son of Jacob and he watched as Jacob cheated his brother and he watched as Jacob time and time again fulfilled his name even, Deceiver, and he did that. And here's this young man following in his footsteps, seeing all of that, and because he watched his dad do those things, well, we know that when the time come, old Judah sold his own brother into slavery. Uh, and then we come to this story in Genesis chapter number 38. Verse number one, and it came to pass at that time that Judah went down from his brethren and turned into a certain Adulamite whose name was Hira. And Judah saw there a daughter of a certain Canaanite whose name was Shua, and he took her and went in unto her. And she conceived and bare a son, and he called his name Ur. And she conceived again and bare a son, and she called his name Onan. And she yet again conceived and bare a son and called his name Shalah. And he was at Chazib when she bare him. And Judah took a wife for Ur, his firstborn, whose name was Tamar. Now I want you to skip on over to uh, verse number 24. And it came to pass about three months after that it was told Judah, saying, Tamar, thy daughter-in-law, hath played the harlot, and also, behold, she is with child by whoredom. And Judah said, Bring her forth, and let her be burnt. When she was brought forth, she sent to her father-in-law, saying, by the man whose these are, I am one child. And she said, Discern, I pray thee, who, these, who are these? The signet and bracelets and staff. And, and Judah acknowledged them and said, She hath been more righteous than I, because that I gave her not to Shalom my son, and he knew her again no more. And it came to pass in the time of her travail that behold, twins were in her womb. And it came to pass when she travailed that the one put out his hand and the midwife took and bound upon his hand a scarlet thread saying, This came out first. And it came to pass as he drew back his hand that behold, his brother came out. And she said, How hast thou broken forth? This breach be upon thee. Therefore his name was called Pharez, which is a breach. And afterward came out his brother that had the scarlet thread upon his hand. And his name was called Zara. Let's pray. Father, in Jesus' name, as we open up your word, uh, Lord, to preach this difficult chapter in the word of God. Lord, I pray that you'd open up the minds and the hearts of your people. That, Lord, we'd take these truths. Let them sink way down in us. Become part of who we are. And then, Father, live them out in our lives. That we might bring you glory and honor in Jesus' name. Amen. One of the things that I'm coming to understand, and um, boy, I've still got a lot to learn. <laughs> There's far more that I don't know than I do know. Amen. And not only that, the more that I learn, the more I know that I don't know. Amen. Uh, but one of the things that I, I think I'm, God's been showing me recently is what we believe is much truer coming from the sense of our actions than 
what we see. The Bible says that the heart is deceptive and wicked and we can't even know it ourselves. I mean, we can deceive ourselves into saying things about ourselves that may not be true, but our actions always prove what we do, how we live in this world, how we conduct ourselves in and amongst our family and in and amongst our church family and in and amongst the society and the community and the nation and the world that we live in really says much more about what we believe is really truthful about what we believe than what we even say. Judah was born in a godly family with a godly lineage. I mean, his daddy was Israel, the prince of God. Uh, But yet, Judah went on the wrong path. Um, He raised his sons. The Bible says that his sons were so wicked that in verse number 7, and Ur, Judah's firstborn, was wicked in the sight of the Lord, and the Lord slew him. Now, we don't know exactly what that wickedness was, but we do know that he was in some way disobedient to God, that he didn't do what God wanted him to do, so God slew him. And then God took the next child as well. Now, I'm not going to read that. It's verses 8 and following, but basically, you understand this, under Jewish custom, that if a brother were to die, then the wife of that brother would be given to another brother so that he could have children by her and thus continue the family line. Well, that's what Judah did. And so the next brother married uh, Tamar and he was wicked because he wouldn't have children by her to, uh, to carry on the line. So what did God do? Well, God killed him too. Well, Judah had, or Jacob had a third son. I mean, Judah had a third son and... Instead of doing what he was supposed to do and giving that Tamar to the third son to marry so that the line could be carried on, he didn't do that. Now, he made an agreement with her. He said, uh, when he's old enough, when the time's passed, I'll give him. Well, he didn't do that. He didn't keep his agreement. And uh, probably learned that from his daddy, huh? Didn't keep an agreement. So in everything that Judah did, he got it wrong. Uh, One of the things about this chapter that just amazes me is that uh, it says God slew the firstborn, God slew the secondborn. But in a sense, God is absent from this chapter. I mean, it doesn't say that he told them to do this or he told people to do that or he acted in such a way as to bring about what his divine plan was that ultimately a Savior uh, would come through Judah, but even though we cannot see him at work, he's actively working even in the midst of Judah's sin. And I think that's a lesson that we can take away this morning is that even in the midst of our wrong, we're doing everything within our power to thwart God's plan, to stand in rebellion against him, that God is still at work and he's still going to bring about his plan. And we can rejoice in that this morning. As chaotic and Uh, as our world is and the upheaval that our world is in right now, we can know and believe and take comfort in the fact that God is still on the throne and everything's going to be okay no matter what happens in this world. So Judah got it all wrong. 
He did that in several different ways. We talked about him a few couple a few weeks ago. Judah got it all wrong because of his misguided morality. Turn back to chapter number 37. You know that Judah loved money more than his family. Well, preacher, how do you know that? He sold his own brother into slavery for money. So Judah had a misguided morality right from the beginning. Money was more important. Pleasure was more important than purity. Verse number two, Judah saw there a daughter of a certain Canaanite whose name was Shua, and he took her and went in unto her. Uh, They were bringing in Canaanite women when God had clearly said, no, you're not to do that. You're to marry among your people, just as Paul says, be not unequally yoked together with unbelievers for what hath fellowship or uh, fellowship hath righteousness to do with unrighteousness. And you'll remember I talked about that. Mamas and daddies, we get one shot at this thing. And from the time our children are old enough to understand language and words, we ought to tell them, if you're going to get married, you ought to marry a Christian. And a good Baptist at that. And not accept anything less or other than that. And let our children know that. Do you know why oftentimes children do what they know that they're not supposed to do? in the household and in the community they live in because they know mom and daddy ain't going to do nothing about it if they do it anyway. We've got to have convictions and stand on those convictions and be willing to live and die on them. And Judas apparently didn't raise a fuss or anything when he, uh, or Israel, when Judah married a Canaanite woman. Uh, and then, of course, Judah's desire for pleasure over purity was revealed in his relationship with Tamar. He thought she was a, a prostitute. He knew he wasn't supposed to be doing that, but he did it anyway. So he had misguided morality. But then he also got it wrong because of his bad behavior. In verse number 11 of uh, chapter 38, Then said Judah to Tamar, his daughter-in-law, Remain a widow at thy father's house, house till Shelah, my son, be grown. For he said, lest peradventure he die also as his brethren did. And Tamar went and dwelt in her father's house. He got it wrong because of his bad behavior. He made an agreement with her and then he did not keep it. And in the process of time, uh, the daughter of Shua, Judah's wife, died and Judah was comforted and went up uh, to the sheep shears and he and his friend... Uh, uh, the Adulamite, it was told Tamar, saying, Behold, thy father-in-law goeth up to Timnoth to shear sheep. And she put her widow's garment off from her, and covered with a veil, and wrapped herself, and sat in an open place, which is by the way to Timnath. For she saw that Shelah was grown, and she was not given unto him to wife. So he had made an agreement, and he didn't keep the agreement. So she said, I'm going to take matters in my own hands. Can you blame her? I mean, she'd been betrayed by everybody. But just stop and and think about this for for just a minute. Judah here, he's made an agreement. Uh, He didn't keep the agreement. He not only made an agreement that he didn't keep, now he's going into a a prostitute. So he's doing uh, two things now that he knows he shouldn't on top of the thing that he did by selling his brother into slavery, so he's not kept in his agreement. Uh, he's keeping bad companions. They're going to a party up here at the sheep shearing place. Uh, and then he goes into a prostitute and has sexual relations with the prostitute that he knows that he shouldn't. Uh, 
Man, he's doing everything wrong. Now stop and think about this thing. As I was reading back over this, something come to me that didn't when we was talking about this a few weeks before. The reason Judah didn't give his third son to Tamar is because the other two had died. And in his mind, he's thinking, she's bad luck. Something. If I give her the third one, the third one might die. But Tamar had nothing to do with the death of those two sons. The God said it had told them it was their own wickedness why he had done what he did. And Daddy, who was supposed to be in communion with God to be able to make the best decisions for his family, did not understand that God was at work when he was at work, so he was blaming it on everybody else, but did not place the blame on where the blame ought to be. And often, as you and I operate in this world in which we live, uh, let me just tell you a story. Can I tell you a story this morning? I was listening last week, and you know we've got these uh, cameras around here now that uh, so you can see on camera. Well, I get a telephone call last week, last Sunday, about 5 to 12, because that church we went to, it got out at about 11.30. And uh, everybody was leaving church at 5 to 12 last Sunday. I said, oh, Lord, I hope. Shane said, Keith, you're just getting warmed up at 12 o'clock. <laughs> that ain't the story I was going to tell you. I got a family member, um, and this family member has lived a tragic life. I, I, I mean, one thing after another has went wrong. Uh, in some ways, this family member's had a lot of stuff just placed on a silver platter in front of them and wasted, wasted, wasted. Uh, Constantly struggling just to put food on the table, and uh, after being given so many opportunities, and uh, you know, doesn't really own a thing or have any settled settledness, I guess, uh, in in their life. And uh, when you go around and talk to them, the first thing you'll hear is it's Donald Trump's fault. I'm thinking, you're 50 years old. You've been having these problems for the last 30 years. How in the world could it be Donald Trump's fault? Amen? But we always, in our lives, if we're not careful, do we not? We look somewhere to place the blame for anything that goes wrong in life other than ourselves. Uh, I've been listening to this Psychologist, I've told you about it several times. Shane's done sick of him because I've listened to him so much. His name's Jordan Peterson. Uh, and he's wrote a book called 12 Rules for Life. Uh, and rule number one is clean up your own room. Pretty simple, huh? But when difficulties and problems and things are going on in life, the very first place we ought to look is our own room. And if we find some disruption and some unkittenness there, maybe we ought to sweep and clean that thing up before we go blaming other people. Uh, trying to say that there's something outside of us. Uh, 
I told this on Wednesday night about that young lady that was seeing the psychologist and she told the psychologist that she hoped something was wrong with her and he thought she was even more crazy and he said, why in the world would you want something wrong with you? And she said, because if this is the world, if my life is because of this, because this is just the way the world's structured, if my life is like this because this is who God is, there's no hope. But if it's me, I can do something to change. And I said, praise God for that. God gives us the ability to make those changes and clean up our room and accept responsibility and then we can move forward. We see that in Judah's life. I got one more thing that he got wrong and then I'm going to close with what he got right quickly. Judah got it wrong because of his unreal righteousness. Look what the Bible says here in verse number 24. And it came to pass about three months after that it was told Judah, saying, Tamar, thy daughter-in-law, hath played the harlot, and also, behold, she is with child by whoredom. And Judah said, Bring her forth and let her be burnt. Let me read you a story over here in Matthew chapter number 7. Well, I won't read it. Turn over to Matthew 7 and I'll just kind of quote it. I'm going to paraphrase it to make it shorter. Jesus said something like this. Remove the log in your own eye before you go trying to get the speck of dust out of your brother's eye. He said, judge not lest you be not judged in verse number 1 of chapter number 7 of Matthew. For in like manner that you judge, you will be judged. Let me put that in modern language for us. You're going to be judged by the game that you decide to play. I'm going to let you make the rules of the game, but you can't change the rules of the game halfway through the game. So if you start playing one set of rules, you're going to finish playing that set of rules, and I'm going to judge you by that set of rules. What are we going to be judged by? The Word of God. That's the rule book. And he says, listen, it's a good rule book. But you better be sure you're living that thing before you start telling people, other people how to live that thing. Clean your own room up before you start going and cleaning somebody else's room up. You got these college kids out there today. They can't even dress right, cut their hair, and put on decent clothes, and they think they're going to save the world. I guarantee if you go back to their house, they're eating out of mom and daddy's refrigerator. Their bedroom's nasty and half of them ain't took a bath in a week. And they want to tell us how the world saw it. Clean up your own room first. Get rid of the log that's in our eye. I've said this time and again. It's a difficulty that I have. And I've got to confess that thing to God every single day. Your sin is worse than my sin. And as we look at our life, if we're not careful, that's the attitude we have. I look at you and your sin is so easy for me to see. But I'm going to tell you what, it's like there's a double layer of black cloth covering mine and I can't see through it. And God says, Keith, look at your own life first and clean that thing up. That's what happened to Judah. He saw her sin well. She played him for the fool because... The payment for that prostitute had been that ring and that staff and that cloak and he'd given it to her as kind of an insurance policy and he said, go get her, let it be burnt, let her be burnt. And she comes up and she stands before him getting ready to get burnt because she had done something she wasn't supposed to and she said, who's these belong to? Uh Uh-oh. Now here's where I wanted to get to this week though. Judah had done everything wrong. 
But when he was confronted and his sin was laid before him, he confessed that sin. He was a failure as a parent. He was a failure as a citizen. What the Bible says, And Judah acknowledged them and said, She hath been more righteous than I, because that I gave her not to Shalom my son. And here's the repentance part. Listen to this. And he knew her again no more. The greatest story in all the universe, church, is this. If we'll simply confess our sin, he's faithful and just to cleanse us from sin. David, in that great psalm, said, Lord, restore unto me the joy of thy salvation. Against thee and thee only have I sinned. And that's exactly what God did. Now, I'm not going to read you because I don't want to keep you till 2 o'clock. Um, but read the rest of the story because these two sons that Tamar had in her womb through sin, Judah was the daddy. You turn over there to Matthew. The Bible says that through Pharaoh's, the Savior came. You see, later on, after all of this had happened, Jim, Israel brings all his sons around the table there, around the bed as he's dying. And he prophesies. He tells them what's going to happen to them. This Judah that had been known that he'd sold his brother into slavery. This Judah who had had sexual relations with his own daughter-in-law, had not kept his agreements, had raised his son so wickedly that God slew him. Israel said, Judah, your brothers will honor you from time and eternity. And the Savior is going to come through you. He said it something like this, the scepter shall not depart from Judah until Shiloh comes. I say all that to say this. It does not matter where you were before you walked in these doors this morning. Listen, you might have picked yourself up out of that crack alley on the side of the road. You might have been like Tamar last night and out selling your body for money. You might have tried your best to drink your miseries away. You might have done everything you could to ruin by the way you were raising your children. None of that matters if you'll simply do what Judah did. Simply confess and say, I got it wrong. And then the Bible says, and he knew her no more. So he repented and went the other direction. And what happened? God still makes me feel good this morning but the Bible says there's none righteous no not one so I'm no different than anybody else the greatest passage of scripture in all the Bible for God so loved the world that's me you anybody that'll call on him the Judas of the world mm-hmm 
and the best that there is in the world. That he gave his only begotten son that whosoever would believe in him would not perish but have everlasting life. He brought every one of us here today, doesn't regardless of where we came from, what are, is going on in our life right now, so that when we leave this place, we can leave forgiven and cleaned, refreshed, and strengthened. I want to tell you something this morning, church. You may not have done what Judah did. You may not have done what Tamar did. But if there's a relationship in your life that's not right and you leave here this morning without saying, God, I repent of that thing and I'm going to get it right, it's just as bad as the sin of Judah. Boy, I'm going to go one step further. If you're walked in these doors this morning and there's worry in your heart, a child, a family member, a relationship, and you brought that worry inside these doors this morning and, and you leave with that same worry in your heart without bringing it and laying it down at the feet of God and saying, Lord, take this from me and help me and strengthen me. That's just as bad as the sin of Judah because we're not trusting him to be who he said he was going to be. He said, I'm a friend that sticketh closer than a brother. I'll never leave you nor forsake you. He said, ask and it shall be given unto you. Seek and you shall find. So if we don't ask and seek, it's sin. I don't know what the Lord... I'm going to tell you, that's a hard chapter to preach, but I believe there's some lessons in there for us to learn. Whatever it is the Lord spoke to you through that chapter, I'm saying simply do it. Do it. Do it. Don't wait. Don't worry about what other people think. Do you know most people... And I, good gracious, I've got to finish. Most people, if they'd have been Judah, would have said, mm-mm, them don't belong to me. Well, in a sense, when we stay in our seat and don't bring our cares, concerns, sorrows, troubles, sin, whatever it is to God, we're saying, mm-mm, them don't belong to me. But Judah confessed. Of course, it paid dividends because the Shiloh did come. And I thank God for that. Let's stand. Father, in Jesus' name. Lord, this has been a difficult chapter of the Word of God. But Lord, you wrote it for a reason. God, while that reason may be hard to understand, Lord, I believe we've at least fleshed out a few purposes there. So God, I pray that as your people gathered this morning, that we'd not, uh, Lord, be so prideful as to not say, Lord, this worry, this sin, this situation, this relational problem, God, it belongs to me. And then know it no more as you've commanded us to do. Whatever that looks like, Father, help us that we'd be willing to do it as your people in Jesus' name.